Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Chapter 12 of The Outdoor Girls at Ocean View. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Nan Dodge. The Outdoor Girls at Ocean View by Laura Lee Hope. The False Bottom. For a moment, the queer box itself was forgotten in the wonderment over the cipher that it would prove a solution to the mystery, if such there was, and that it was not a joke, was believed by all. Even Alan, calm as he usually was, displayed some excitement. The girls themselves could not conceal their eagerness. "'How are you going to make sense out of that?' asked Roy, who did not like to spend much time over anything. "'It's worse than Greek.' "'Most ciphers are,' agreed Alan." The only way to translate it is to go at it with some sort of system. I'll need plenty of paper and some pencils. I'll tell you what to do, said Mr. Nelson. Make several copies of the cipher and we can all work on it at once. It will be a sort of game. And a fascinating game it proved. The possibility that the queer paper in the iron box might contain directions for finding some hidden treasure made it all the more alluring. There are any number of ciphers, Alan explained, when several copies had been made of the original. The simplest is to change the letters of the alphabet about, using Z for A, and so on. Another simple one is to make figures stand for letters, such as number one is A, and so on. But those are so simple that only a schoolboy would use them. "'What are some of the more difficult ciphers?' asked Betty. "'Well, there are so many I don't know that I could explain them all. "'But the most simple of the difficult ones is the taking of a number "'of arbitrary signs or symbols to represent the letters of the alphabet. "'That is what was done in Poe's Goldbug, you remember. "'Unless the person has a copy of the list of signs and symbols, "'it is very difficult to decipher that cipher.' or decode it, as they say in government circles. Ahem! exclaimed Will, with an important air, as all eyes were turned on him. I ought to know something about that, but you see they haven't trusted me with the code book yet. Now then, Alan, how are we to go about this Chinese puzzle? If I had that story of Poe's here, it would be rather easier, Alan said. As it is, we shall have to do a little preliminary work, 
To start off with, we will take the letter E. Why E? asked Roy. Because of all the letters in the ordinary use of English, that letter most frequently occurs, Alan answered. In other words, if you take a written or printed page and count up the letters, you will find that E is used most frequently. What is the next one? asked Molly. Oh, isn't this fascinating, girls? It will be more fascinating to discover the secret, Betty said. I don't know what letter is next in importance, or rather frequency, Alan answered, but we will each take a book, and by counting the letters on a page we can find out. Some work, groaned Roy, but they began it. Even Mr. and Mrs. Nelson were interested enough in the novel game to attempt it. It took some little time, but at last Betty and Alan, who were working together, announced that they found A to be the next most predominating letter, after E, and the others' search agreed with this. Then in order came O, I, D, H, N, and so on. But they did not do that in one day, or even two, for they found it rather tiring to the eyes so that it was not until three days after the finding of the box that Alan was ready with the groundwork of his cipher translation. In the meanwhile, the motorboat had been repaired and was ready for service. The weather had cleared, and in the intervals of working over the mysterious paper in the box, the boys, escorted by the girls, went to the place where it had been found. The hole in the sand was just as they had left it. The men haven't come back to discover their loss, said Betty. Or, if they have, they are leaving the ground undisturbed with a view to getting a clue to the one who took the box, Alan said, with a look at Betty. The next day a real attempt was made to decipher the code. As Alan had said, it was made up of several letters, numbers, and arbitrary signs, some of them resembling Chinese characters in form. The thing to do, said Alan, is to pick out the letter, number, or sign that occurs most frequently, in other words, the predominating one, and that will be E, for E is the predominating letter in any communication. Now we'll begin. They all had great hopes, but alas, they were doomed to disappointment, for either Alan's system was wrong, or else the cipher did not follow the plan of any of the well-known ones. They succeeded in deciphering it after a fashion, but the result was a meaningless jumble of words that told them nothing. The word treasure did not even occur, that is, according to the translation made by Alan. Well, I give up, he said with a sigh of disappointment. I sure thought I could make something of it, but I can't. Maybe Will could send it to some of his Secret Service friends, suggested Grace. Yes, I could do that, her brother assented. Let's let the government experts take a crack at it, Alan. I'm willing, assented the young lawyer. Betty was in a corner of the big sitting room, the bay window of which gave a beautiful view of the ocean. She had the queer box in her lap and was turning it from side to side, now and then holding it to her ear and shaking it. What are you doing, Betty Nelson? asked Grace, coming in from a walk to town. I was just listening to see if there was any hidden mechanism in this box, answered the little captain. I wonder if there's a ruler anywhere about, she went on. She found a foot ruler, 
and with that began measuring inside and outside the box, jotting down some figures on a piece of paper. "'What's this, a new way to work out the cipher I couldn't solve?' asked Alan, coming in. "'Don't talk to me for a minute, please,' said Betty, puckering up her forehead. She seemed to be adding and subtracting, and then she suddenly cried, "'I thought so! I thought so! It is the only way to account for the thickness of it.' "'The thickness of what?' asked Alan. "'The bottom of that box,' went on Betty. "'It has a false bottom. I'm sure of it. Look here!' It is seven inches deep on the outside and only five inches deep inside. Where are those two missing inches except in a false bottom? In her excitement, Betty tapped on the inside of the bottom of the box with the ruler, and then a strange thing happened. There was a clicking, springing sound, and the bottom of the iron box seemed to rise up in two parts, like the twin doors of a sidewalk elevator hatchway. The false bottom had been found, and as it swung up out of the way, there was disclosed an opening in which lay a package wrapped in white tissue paper. Oh, oh, cried Betty, staring at the box. I, I found it, the treasure. End of chapter 12